Testament reading this morning found in the book of Luke, chapter 17. The book of Luke has many unique and interesting passages and teachings of Jesus. This is one of those in Luke, chapter 17, beginning with verse 5. And the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you had faith like a mustard seed, you would say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and be planted in the sea and it would obey you. But which of you having a slave plowing or tending sheep will say to him when he has come in from the field, come immediately and sit down to eat? But will he not say to him, prepare something for me to eat and properly clothe yourself and serve me until I have eaten and drunk and afterward you may eat and drink? He does not thank the slave because he did the things which were commanded, does he? So you too, when you do all the things which are commanded, you say, we are unworthy slaves. We have done only that which we ought to have done. Father in heaven, I do pray that you'll guide us individually and together. We might hear you speak. We might be willing to be led, to be changed, to be motivated by you now. For I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. It seems to me that ever since the mid-60s, it has been unfashionable to say and to talk about doing your duty. Now, I'm not quite sure why things have changed, but they seem to have changed. I mean, there was a time and a day and an age that to serve in the armed services and to fight for your country was something you thought about as duty, and you thought that was a high calling. There was a time and an age when you thought that being faithful to your spouse and trying to build a strong marriage was your duty. And therefore, the marriage stayed together and you worked out the difficulties. There was a day and an age when it was your duty as a free citizen to voluntarily obey the laws of the land. And the iron bars didn't have to be on the windows or the doors. That was your duty and you did it. Jesus is teaching his disciples something very important here, and what he is teaching them is to do their duty. Look at verse 10 again. It says, So you too, when you have done the things which you are commanded, say we are unworthy slaves, we have done only that, that which, we have, which we ought to have done. That's what it really means to do your duty. Doing those things that you ought to do. Duty is an act or a course of action that is enacted by your position or by your social status or by the laws of the land or by your faith in God. It seems to me that doing your duty separates the civilized from the barbarian in our world. And Christians have a duty. There are a lot of scriptural examples of doing your duty. Some of them came to my mind as I thought about this. For instance, Jesus, in the beginning of his ministry, clear in John, I think it's chapter 2, he's in Cana of Galilee, and he's at a wedding reception, and he's really not ready to begin his miraculous work, but you remember the account of how his mother Mary sees that they have run out of wine for the wedding reception. Perhaps it's due because of so many people showed up there uh, with Jesus, and she feels like there's something that needs to be done. She turns to Jesus and asks him if he can't do something about that. You might remember the words of Jesus where he says, Woman, my time has not yet come. And he reminds her that he's going to work on his own plan and schedule. But you also remember the fact that he did turn water into wine 
It was Jesus' duty to honor mother and father, and he did. In Acts chapter 9, Paul had been converted on the road to Damascus, and he had been taken into Damascus, and he was blind. And he stayed there, blind, for several days. And God spoke to a Christian by the name of Ananias. They said to Ananias, now I want you to go to this man Saul, as he was called then. I want you to go to Saul and lay hands on him and pray that he will gain his sight back. And Ananias said, no, I, I can't do that. He said, this man has arrested Christians and thrown them into jail and split up families and agreed to have people killed. And I just couldn't possibly do that. But you know the account. He went. Ananias, with some fear about what he was getting into, went because that was his duty. In John chapter 11, word comes to Jesus and the disciples as they are in the northern country of Galilee. The word comes to them that Jesus' good friend Ananias is sick and dying. And wouldn't he please hurry back to Bethany and heal his good friend? Now, Bethany is just I'm not sure it's even a mile over the hill from Jerusalem, but certainly not far from Jerusalem. So to go to Bethany means to go back to Jerusalem. And to go to Jerusalem certainly meant a rest. Jesus could have continued his ministry by not going back, but after all, Lazarus was his good friend. Mary and Martha, his good friends, it was his duty to return. The seriousness of returning is is echoed in Thomas's words when Thomas said, well, we'll all go up with Jesus and die then if he insists on going back. And he did his duty. Maybe the whole life of Jesus could be considered a person doing their duty. There's a lot of talk, if we talk at all, about duty. The talk is always about those few cases that we find in our own life or somebody else's life where we say they are going above and beyond the call of duty. It seems to me in Christian circles, sometimes we're more interested in being above and beyond than just doing the duty God requires. You see, the call of duty is what God expects us to do as His creature and as His child. There are some things in the world that God expects us to do just because He created us, whether we acknowledge Him as Lord or Savior. I have mentioned often, I think, on Mother's Day and Father's Day, that one of the first commands to all mankind is that a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, hold on to his wife. God expects that of all mankind. To do that is to do your duty. It is fun, and I hope to celebrate every anniversary that, that my wife and I have, and I hope to celebrate the 25th and the 50th and the 75th, but in the last analysis, I am doing my duty at being created by God. Nothing special, nothing above and beyond the call of duty. That is our duty as His creation. Our duty as Christians also includes, besides those things that, that encompass everyone, includes some specific things about loving God and serving Him. And when we do those things, we are doing our duty. We're doing what God expects of us. The call of duty also reminds us that there is normally no special recognition involved when we do our duty for God. 
Isn't it interesting? Sometimes we think we ought to have special recognition for doing what is our duty. We don't expect that in our home life, do we? You don't expect, ladies, every time you do a load of wash to have a trophy presented to you for such an excellent job. Dad does not expect a standing ovation by the entire family every day he comes home from work. Now, I expect it, but I probably the rest of you don't. No. See, we don't expect that. We just say, I'm doing my duty. The same is true in the Christian faith and in our work for God. We don't expect any special recognition. And we shouldn't expect any special reward because we have done our duty. And yet it often happens. People will try to make a bargain with God. God, if you will answer this prayer, I will go to church every Sunday. Big deal, he said. You're supposed to be there every Sunday if I don't answer the prayer. That's doing your duty. There's no special reward attached to duty. That's what Jesus is saying here in Luke chapter 17, verse 10. And you've done those things which are commanded you. Say we are unworthy slaves. We have done only that which we ought to have done. I want to say also that duty is not necessarily fun. Duty is not necessarily adventurous. Duty is not necessarily even satisfying in its individual parts. There are some parts, individual parts about our duty that we just crank through. Sometimes I think we fall into the trap, not only in life, but in our Christian service, of thinking everything has got to be a great delight, a huge adventure, deep, spiritually satisfying at all times. And if it's not, then I'll cut it out. It doesn't say that here. In fact, in the illustration Jesus used, that which is you having a slave plowing or tending sheep. Now, I've never tended sheep, but I've done a little plowing. And will say to him when he's come in from the field, come immediately and sit down. Will he not say, prepare something for me to eat and properly clothe yourself and serve me? And after I've eaten and drunk, then afterwards you will eat and drink. Now, I don't think this slave particularly was thrilled every day about plowing. I don't think he was particularly thrilled every day about coming in and cleaning up and fixing a meal for somebody else when he was tired and hungry himself. But then, doing your duty doesn't say that it is always going to be a great delight. But it does say that the smooth operation of the kingdom of God depends upon each member fulfilling their duty. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. From whom the whole body being fitted and held together by that which every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Each individual part doing its duty. Just like a human body, each part doing the right thing in order to make the whole grow and live. So each of us need to be doing our duty. I think what we need, perhaps, is to change our opinion about the whole idea of doing your duty. I think that it is a great calling. I think that it is a high motive and a noble virtue to do your duty. Now, there are some things in Scripture that 
are given to us that are our duty as Christians to do. We might say that the duty of the, the average Christian, the duty of all Christians. For instance, the Bible tells us we are to confess our sins. We're familiar with John 1, 9, 1 John 1, 9. It says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's our duty. We should do that. It isn't special. It isn't extraordinary. It is the regular practice that we are involved in. The Scriptures tell us we should practice holiness. 2 Corinthians 7, verse 1. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. That's our duty, to practice holiness. Now, when I say that's our duty, for instance, if there's something in your life that's wrong, if there are some things that you want to uh, change, if there's some obvious sins that you know about, whether others do or not, and you begin to work on changing those things, you are doing your duty. You don't need to make a banner and say, look, God, is, aren't I great? I gave up this habit. I gave up that habit. That is your duty, to practice holiness. Of course. That's what we're involved in doing. Another duty of all Christians is to meet together. Common worship, like we're doing this morning. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We don't bargain with God saying, God, I'm going to come to church and if you'll do this for me, it's our duty. Of course we're here. You notice from that passage, that it's very easy to make a habit of neglecting worship. Hebrews 10.25, as is the habit of some. Believers can make a habit of not being here. It's our duty to be here. Another duty for all Christians is to give regularly to the work of the Lord. It says so in... 1 Corinthians 16.2 and other places. There it says on the first day of every week, let each one of you put aside and save as he may prosper. Giving. It is our duty to give. And again, that's a high motive. It's a high motive to give ourselves to the duty that God has listed for us. It's our duty to be consistent in our study of the Lord's Word. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15 says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, handling accurately the word of truth. We pick up the Scriptures every morning in our devotions because that's our duty. We come to Sunday school and we study the Word of God because that's our duty. To understand, to learn. We listen to the sermon and we... We go to the Bible studies all because it's our duty. Part of our calling. Part of who we are. It's not extra. It's not added on. It's not special. It doesn't make us super spiritual. It's the common denominator. It's our duty to study God's Word. The Scripture says we should be involved in praying for one another. James chapter 5, verse 16. Pray for one another. Again, it's our duty. Prayer requests are mentioned in church, listed in the bulletin. 
given out in your Bible study. And we pray for one another. Now, when I said all duty or duty is not necessarily fun or adventurous for us or even necessarily satisfying in its individual parts, some of it is. That doesn't mean it's always boring or it's always routine. But doing our duty means that we will do it no matter how we feel. Praying for one another. Another aspect of doing our duty is to actively avoid all immorality. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 18 says we should flee immorality. And you know I want to emphasize that because it is one thing to work on being holy. And we need to do that. And we need to increasingly be more like Christ. But along the way of working on being holy, there are the temptations and the opportunities to give in to immorality, and we need to actively repel those times. That's a part of our Christian duty. Joseph, when he was in Egypt and was confronted by the captain's wife, when she was trying to seduce him, was doing his duty to reject her advances. He was fleeing immorality. The duty of every believer. Our duty also includes standing up to Satan and to his schemes. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 11 says, We need to put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Fighting Satan is not the calling of individual select people, but it's part of the duty of all believers to stand up against the enemy and his schemes and those that work for those schemes. Doing our duty also means using our gifts to strengthen the church fellowship. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 says, Put, But to each one is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common Good. And in chapter 14, verse 12 of that same book, it says, So also you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, seek to abound for the edification of the church. To give your gift of teaching to the church is your duty. To give your voice of singing to the ministry of music in the church is your duty. To give of whatever gift and talent and ministry you have to the work of the church and the building up of the saints is Exactly what you ought to be doing your Christian duty. Christian duty also includes fulfilling that unique role that you might have in the ongoing expansion of the kingdom. There are some common roles, and I've talked about all of those, but once in a while, too, there are unique roles that each of us have. A unique place that we can fulfill, no one else can fulfill. And it's our duty to fulfill that role. Paul once talked about his preaching and he said, Woe unto me if I do not preach the gospel. Paul could not be stopped because he had such a burning desire to do that one thing. That was what he was given to do. The rest of us are given certain tasks, unique tasks to do too. And when we fulfill those tasks again, we are doing only what we ought to have done. We're fulfilling our duty. Now there is, in all of this, a delight, I believe, in being faithful and doing your duty. One of the delights 
is the fact that there is a duty for each of us to do, and that means that means that there's that we're needed, that we have a role to fulfill. And the role that we have to fulfill is well-defined. God does want us to do something. And we can know when we have done it. And there's satisfaction in that. There's also a delight in duty because it gives you a chance to demonstrate your consistency and your faithfulness before God. I think we see that time and time again in Scripture where Jesus encourages us to be faithful in all things so that we might be ready to do more things for God. Doing your duty is the proving ground to see if you're ready for something extra, something different, something special, something more unique in His kingdom. There's a delight in doing duty too because there's a sense of satisfaction in the long run. Some parts of doing our duty, as I said, we might not particularly enjoy, the individual pieces. But when they are put together in a life of faithfulness, we begin to find satisfaction. As I said in comparing that to a marriage relationship, maybe there are some things in doing your duty as husband or wife that you don't particularly enjoy. Maybe you have had some bad days where you wish that you were in a different environment. But when you string all of the days together for 10 and 20 and 30 and 40 and 50 and 60 years, those days of doing your duty become a source of satisfaction and pleasure as they're seen in the spectrum of a whole life. And so it is with our service to God. Days and days of faithfulness to Him add up to deep satisfaction in our relationship with our Heavenly Father. There's another delight in doing our duty. It seems to me that it's our daily thank you note to God for all He's done and all He's doing for us. We do not do our duty in order to get into heaven. We're quite aware of the fact that you get into heaven through faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone. But how do we respond to God's great love? How do we tell Him that we know what it costs for our salvation. How do we tell them how grateful we are? Day after day after day of faithfulness to the duty that He's given us. That's how we can say thanks. Turn with me to an Old Testament passage. Ezekiel chapter 24. Beginning with verse 16. I want to show you what duty looks like. Ezekiel chapter 24, verse 16. God is speaking to Ezekiel. He says to him, Son of man, behold, I am about to take from you the desire of your eyes with a blow. But you shall not mourn, you shall not weep, and your tears shall not come. Groan silently, make no mourning for the dead, bind on your turban, put your shoes on your feet, do not cover your mustache, do not eat the bread of men. So I spoke to the people in the morning, and in the evening my wife died. And in the morning I did as I was commanded. 
And the people said to me, Will you not tell us what these things that you are doing mean for us? Then I said to them, The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Speak to the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am about to profane my sanctuary, the pride of your power, the desire of your eyes, and the delight of your soul. And your sons and your daughters whom you have left behind will fall by the sword, and you will do as I have done. You will not cover your mustache, you will not eat of the bread of men. Your turbans will be on your heads and your shoes on your feet. You will not mourn, you will not weep, but you will rot away in your iniquities and will groan to one another. Ezekiel had a unique calling. Certainly this is not the teaching for all of us, but it shows one man committed to doing his duty. Verse 18. So I spoke to the people in the morning. What was he doing? He was doing his duty. Ezekiel's a prophet. He is to speak to the people. And in the evening, it says, my wife died. What did he do the next morning? He spoke to the people again. No time to mourn the delight of his eyes, it says. The desire of your eyes is gone. He was doing his duty. It is a high and it is a noble calling and a high motive and a Christian's responsibility and faithfulness to our duty. No matter what, faithfulness to our duty is the open door to being useful in God's service. Amen? Amen. Dear Father, Lord, forgive us for acting like little children too often. Lord, you called us as little children, but you expect us to grow up in faith. And Lord, too often we still act like little children expecting a reward and a pat on the back and a great prize for doing merely the things we ought to have been doing all along. Give us, Lord, through the power of your Spirit, the courage to grow up, to do our duty day in and day out as you expect us to do. Will we give our lives to that end? Praying in Jesus' name. Amen. 